0: Father, for these moments we've just come through, we thank you for the sweet memories of forgiveness, and we thank you for the painful memories of our Savior having to go through the agony he did. As We come now to our time of sweetness in your word. Instruct us, strengthen us, change us if those things need to happen. We pray these things in Jesus' name, amen. You know, there are... All kinds of serious, serious warnings all around us. We see warnings. Sometimes uh, those warnings come to us verbally. People say something to us. Sometimes they show up as signs, like those pictured here on the screen. The cigarette packs has a warning about your health dangers. There's the bridge out and turn around, don't drown signs. Warnings are everywhere. Sometimes the warnings come in a written form. And that's the case today from the book of James again. As we look at a warning that he presents to his readers then and to us hearers now in his word. Let me begin today with a riddle. You remember Batman and the Riddler? He'd always say, riddle me this. And then he'd proceed to tell his riddle. Well, here's my riddle for you this morning. I am a useful and needed tool a need-meeting tool, and I'm a dangerous and well-camouflaged trap. I am what? I am wealth. That's the answer. Wealth can be a very useful and a good tool to meet needs. but Wealth can also be a very dangerous trap and well-camouflaged as well. Now, money... And wealth is a consistently addressed subject of Scripture. Speaks to it often, and it never changes its message about wealth. So we need to hear what it says. You see, the truth is that whether wealth for us is that useful tool or that dangerous trap is up To each of us. We make the decisions. We do or do not do the things. That make that the reality that it is. Now it's often and probably truly said that money talks. I like uh, the take one comedian had on that. When he said well you know if money talks. All it ever says to me is goodbye. (laughs) I kind of like that. When it comes to wealth. The real issue can best be captured by this sobering question. Upon what do we base our security and our joy? Let me repeat that. Upon what do we base our security and our joy? As we look at Scripture, there seems to be just two choices for us to make in that regard. And we are, again, the ones who do the choosing... Will our choice be to rely on our own strengths and resources and abilities? Or will our choice be rather to rely on God's love and provision that we trust? It is many times a daily decision, many times, even maybe, an hourly decision. And so the question is what will be our choice? Well, let's hear what James, the Lord's brother, again, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, let's hear what he has to say. But more importantly, I want us to not only hear it, but I want us to listen to it, take it into our hearts, and obey these authoritative words he shares, this warning he shares on this very real-life kind of subject called wealth. William Barclay, a noted Bible scholar, wrote a commentary on James, and he summarizes this way, about the first six verses of chapter 5. In the first six verses of this chapter, James has two purposes or two aims in mind. The first is to show the ultimate worthlessness of all earthly riches. And second, to show the detestable character and lifestyle of some who possessed that wealth. And by doing this, he hopes to prevent his readers from placing all their hopes and desires on earthly things. Read with me, if you will, from James chapter 5, the first six verses. There's a Bible in front of you, perhaps, or you brought your own, or you may have a device, and it will be on the screen as well. James writes, chapter 5, Now listen, you rich people. Weep and wail because of the misery that is coming on you. Your wealth has rotted and moths have eaten your clothes. Your gold and silver are corroded. Their corrosion will testify against you and eat your flesh like fire. You have hoarded wealth in these last days. Look, the wages you failed to pay the workers who mowed your fields are crying out against you. The cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord Almighty. You have lived on earth in luxury and self-indulgence. You have fattened yourselves in the day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the innocent one who is not opposing you. These again are strong words from James and the warning is a very serious one. James, though, is not alone in offering such a warning. Jesus even spoke to the subject. Luke 12, 15, he warns, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. James warns us seriously about wealth. Jesus warns us seriously about wealth. And, of course, Paul gets in the picture as well. Just in case Jesus and James weren't enough, let's hear what Paul has to say on this subject. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, as he writes his young preacher friend, the man he's mentored in the faith for many time, many years, when he says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 9 and following, Those who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap And into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith. They have pierced themselves with many griefs. But you, man of God, flee. From all this, James, Jesus, Paul, they all warn us of the dangers of wealth. So with these powerful warnings in mind, I want us to look at just five short, powerful truths about wealth so that we can avoid its deceitful and destructive trap and instead we can please God in this area of our life. Warning number one, watch out. (laughs) Wealth is about attitude, not amount. As a kid, I'm sure many of you did this as well, we would walk around and collect glass pop bottles and uh, gather them up, as many as we could find, and then we would take them to the convenience store where we could exchange each pop bottle for a two-cent refund. Come on, tell me, did you do it? Okay, many of you. Now, in today's plastic bottle thing, it's a little different story. But back then, that was a big thing to do. We would take it into the store and get a cash refund. And, of course, that cash refund went to the things kids would want to have. Candy, gum, pop, baseball cards, whatever it may be. Now, truthfully, many times, most times even, it was usually a dime or less when we came away from the cashier. But we still were able to get what we wanted. When we did, we thought we were kings. We had the world by the tail. Wasn't much, but it sure was to us. Wealth is about attitude, not about amount. We thought we were living the dream when we popped that sweet gum or candy or whatever it was into our mouth. Those few cents made us think we were Rockefellers. Well, we might not have known who the Rockefellers were back then, but it's still you see what i'm saying You see it's not about the amount of wealth, but it's about our reaction toward it when the bible whenever the Bible addresses the subject of wealth it's never about the amount of money or possessions that one has it's always a matter of one's relationship with and our attitude toward whatever amount of wealth we are allowed to have. Wealth in itself is not wrong. It is not evil. But its very nature often causes problems for many, many people. And James here in his strong words has a specific audience in mind. He wants to address those whose problem is not that they have wealth but that wealth has them. And that's the danger we need to be aware of. Again, going back to Paul's words to Timothy in chapter 4 of his first letter, he uses a specific, specific word about one's attitude toward wealth as describes those who are eager for money. This is a fascinating word. In Greek, it's the word "arago." And it means to strive for something or want something so badly that you would go to the point of losing your own senses and even reaching a point of coveting it. Now we know that the Ten Commandments and many other words of Scripture forbid the sin of coveting. This word "erego" literally refers to a person who uh, wanders off a perfectly good and safe path to chase or grab something they see deep in the brushes and bushes. And when they get there, they find out what they left the path for is undesirable and harmful. That's an interesting picture. We're going where we want to go, and it's safe, and it's easy. But something catches our eye, and we think, i got to have it. And we leave the safe path to go into the shrubs and the weeds and come out with something that isn't good for us at all. Again, note that Paul tells Timothy, flee, flee, run away, he says, from this kind of attitude. The Apostle John gets in the picture as well as he says, love not the world or anything in the world. God's standards and requirements are the same for all of us. They are binding upon each and every one of us Regardless of the amount of wealth, we must maintain the right attitudes and actions toward us. Be warned. Wealth is not about amount, it is about attitude. Warning number two: watch out. Wealth is temporary and transient. That old saying, you can't take it with you. Very true. Very, very true. We've heard these words from Jesus so often about this. Now, they're very familiar to us, but they cannot, we dare not let them lose their impact. Remember Jesus said, Don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust corrupt and thieves break through and steal. Wealth is fleeting and fickle. There are no guarantees that our current wealth or future wealth will remain and stay with us. Think back. Just 14 years ago to 2008, oh, you're frowning. (laughs) Think to 2022, you're frowning again. Investments, downhill, downhill, downhill. Wealth, it just doesn't last. Proverbs 23, 5 says... Cast but a glance at riches, and they are gone. For they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Like the comedian says, it always says goodbye. Proverbs 21, 6 says, A fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor. It just goes and disappears. Continuing his warning to Timothy, Paul writes again in some later verses of chapter 6, And tells that young preacher, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor to put their hope in wealth which is so uncertain but to put their hope in God who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Riches will vanish. Nothing material will last forever what the comedian said is so, so true. Money and things will always keep saying goodbye. Be warned. Wealth is temporary and transient. Warning number three. Watch out. Wealth is sneaky and subtle. Wealth can easily become a deceptive and evil thing. Our enemy knows how to use this option, this opportunity, this reality. He knows how to use it skillfully and very painfully for us if we choose it instead of godly attitudes. Wealth can easily capture and corrupt a person. Sometimes we don't even know we're on the journey. It is deceptive. It can change us. It can change me. It can change you. It can change us all. Sometimes that money trap kind of gets the best of us in a slow gradual fashion other times it may come upon us and capture us quickly but regardless we are never safely clear of the dangerous and powerful lure and appeal of wealth now we may think we may think If we don't have a five or a six or a seven-figure account balance at our disposal somewhere, well, if we don't have that big of a number somewhere, we're safe from these warnings about wealth. But that is not true. The truth is that even a one-figure amount can ensnare us if we choose to be greedy, selfish with it, and think only of ourselves. We must never allow wealth To sit on the throne of our lives. This is called idolatry. And our God and God alone belongs on the throne. Anything or anyone else that we allow to occupy his rightful place. And to whom we offer our worship and our devotion. That is sin. That is idolatry. And it can sneak up on us before we know it. Another sneaky and subtle problem with wealth, no matter how it comes our way, no matter in what amount it comes our way, it's just that it will not satisfy. <laughs> Being humans, we will always want more and more and better and better. We live in that kind of a world and we face those kinds of pressures. Wealth can often fool us, fool us. It can bring out our selfish and greedy sides that we don't like and we don't want to have. It cannot, however, bring the peace and the commitment and the trusting faith that God wants us to have. Be warned, wealth is subtle and sneaky. Warning number four, watch out. Wealth is dangerous and deadly. It can ruin you. It can ruin me. It can corrupt any one of us. Money can can easily change a person and not in the ways that are for the better. Money can bring us problems and woes that we wish we'd never been acquainted with. It can take over your life. It can control you. Need an example? Many lottery winners are a prime example of this truth. Tell you about a man named William Bud Post, who in 1988 won $16.2 million in the Pennsylvania lottery. In just one year from that date, he was a million dollars in debt. <laughs> Indeed, yes. They tell us about 70% of lotto winners lose or spend all that money they make. In five years or less. And that is true whether they win 500 million or 1 million or whatever large amount there might be. Winners of such a windfall can tell you story after story about how that quick windfall brought greedy and resentful friends and relatives around. Con artists came. Charity cases came out of the woodwork. Stories about wrecked friendships and destroyed marriages, poverty, and worse things than that. Wealth is dangerous and deadly. Wealth can make us someone we do not want to be. Scripture spoke of misery coming with great wealth, according to James. It can fill our life with sadness and regret. Look at the story Jesus told in Luke 16 about that rich man who... Had a wonderful harvest. And he gathered it in and he realized his barns were not big enough. So what did he decide? I'm going to build bigger barns and bigger barns and more barns. And I'm going to collect all that grain and all that harvest. And I'm going to be set for life. Listen to what God said to him. You fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then what will you get from what you have prepared for yourselves? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. Just a few chapters later in Luke 16, Jesus tells the story about the rich man and Lazarus, how the beggar Lazarus sat at the foot of the rich man's table and just longed for crumbs to fall from the table so that he could be nourished. Scripture tells us in the story Jesus told, both men died and they went to their eternal destiny. The rich man went to agony and torment. The poor beggar Lazarus went to Abraham's bosom in paradise. You see, wealth is a dangerous thing. It led the rich man to an eternity apart from God. Proverbs eleven four says, Wealth is worthless in the day of wrath, but righteousness is delivers from death. Riches can easily corrupt and and easily painfully and erode our character. It can crush our faith. Greed will bring no good our way. Be warned, wealth is dangerous and deadly. Now, these warnings we've looked at so far present the imminent dangers of selfishness and trusting in money. But they are there for our good. God knew this would be a hard subject for us to control. And so he gives us warning after warning. And wise believers will know that God means business when he gives us these warnings. And we will listen to them, we will listen to them well, and we will act accordingly. But again, regardless of what wealth you do or do not have, or I have or do not have, God does not leave us without instruction about how we should handle this dangerous and deadly temptation. And that brings us to our final warning. Watch out. Wealth is for God and good deeds. Guided by these truths that money guided by these truths money will not be the danger it is were such guidance and counsel absent from us. And we're told in Scripture to use whatever wealth we obtain for its God-given purposes. Wealth can indeed be a tool for great good when used and esteemed and valued properly. Proverbs 13, 7 gives us these wise words to ponder, to look within ourselves and ask, which person are we? 13, 7 of Proverbs says, One person pretends to be rich, yet has nothing. Another pretends to be poor, yet has great wealth. Our job today is to decide which person we are. Are we the pretender, or are we the one who has real wealth? Proverbs 11:25 and 29 tells us a general, generous person will prosper. Whoever refreshes another will be refreshed. Those who trust in their riches will fail, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Again, going back to those words, Timothy, I mean Paul wrote to Timothy in chapter 6. He told Timothy, "Command them to do good and be rich in good deeds and to be generous and willing to share. In this way they will lay up for themselves treasures as a firm foundation for the coming age, so that they may take hold of the life that is truly life. Proverbs 22.9 says. The generous will themselves be blessed. For they share their food with the poor. Finishing those words of Jesus. And the warning he gave about not putting away treasure on this earth. Matthew 6.20 and 21. Store up for yourself treasures in heaven. Where moth and rust do not corrupt. And where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is there will your heart be also. The truth of the matter is, friends, that you and I are stewards. We are managers of whatever wealth God entrusts to us. He is the owner. And as the owner, he has rightly instructed us, given us warnings about the truth that wealth can be a great danger, but also given us opportunity to make wealth a great way to serve him, and meet the needs of people and bless them as well. Let's practice, let's hear, let's do this wise counsel. Let's hear the warning that wealth is for God and good deeds. Warren Wisby is a well-known Bible author, and in his commentary on James, he says this, It is possible to be poor in the world and yet rich in the next world. It is also possible, he says, to be rich in this world and poor in the next world. Oh, and then these sobering words, he says, the return of Christ will make some people poor and make some people rich. Depending on the spiritual condition of their hearts, what we keep, we lose. What what we give to God, we keep. And he piles on interest on top of it. Yes, money talks. And the loudest message it delivers is this. The loudest message wealth proclaims is what it says about me and what it says about you. We end on a more positive positive, encouraging note today back to Proverbs chapter 3 verse 9. That tells us, honor the Lord with our wealth and the first fruits of the crops. Then your barns will be full to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. So we conclude this morning. I want to share with you a prayer that I found from Max Locato. And I love this prayer because in it he gives us again something to ask God for and a way to ask God for so that we can avoid the dangers of wealth, we can hear these many warnings about wealth and put them into practice. Here's the prayer he offers. Father, keep us from being so blinded by earthly possessions that we fail to see the eternal treasure we cannot lose. Forgive us when we work for greed and gain instead of for your glory. Thank you for the blessing of work and for the strength to do it. Amen. This morning we've talked about the dangers of wealth and heard warnings about it. And as we prepare to sing our song of invitation, the words simply say, I have decided to follow Jesus. One of the areas of our lives that we need to present Him, that we need to give Him full control over, is the wealth, and the things He allows us to manage and control while we're on this earth. So the sermon's for all of us, but the first step in that process, of course, is to surrender your life, your heart, to Jesus Christ. And if you need to do that this morning, we would welcome that if you would come down the aisle, share with us and talk with us. We'll pray with you, study with you if we need to, whatever may be the case. Maybe there's a decision here about membership today. If that's the case, we would welcome you into this fellowship and family. Maybe again just need to where we stand just kind of look in our hearts and say God I, I, I need help <laughs> I know that's true for me whatever your decision as we sing this song let's make our way forward with a decision for Christ